Welcome, ladies, to our online Bible study. This week we are going to be doing the chapter, The Gaze of the Soul in the Pursuit of God. You know, I love the title of this chapter, The Gaze of the Soul. It just draws you in and captures your heart to say, I want my soul to gaze upon Jesus. When you think about your soul gazing upon God, wow, I looked up the word gaze in Webster's Dictionary, and it says, to fix the eyes in a steady intent look, often with eagerness and studious attention. Ladies, we are to fix our eyes in a steady intent look with eagerness and studious attention upon God. Let's begin our study by looking at the scripture that Tozer uses for this chapter of the pursuit of God. Hebrews 12 verse 2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. Looking here is in the present active participle. It means we are to continually look unto Jesus. This is not a one-time act. It is to be a continual action. You notice how many times that we have in our lessons we have studied and have come across present active participles. Ladies, our Christian walk is to be a continuous action. Salvation is not the end. It is the beginning of our pursuit of God. We should be continually growing in our relationship with God. Let's look back a page and look at Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, what is faith? This is question number two of your homework. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word translated substance means literally to stand under or to support. Warren Wearsby said, Faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. It gives confidence and assurance that he will stand. So you might say, Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. When a believer has faith, it is God's way of giving him confidence and assurance that what is promised will be experienced. Tozer said, Faith is a redirecting of our sight, a getting out of the focus of our own vision and getting God into focus. Again, we are talking about these self-hyphenated sins that take the place of God. They have twisted our vision inward, looking at ourselves rather than placing our focus 
on God. When you find yourself wandering off in your mind, what are you thinking about? Maybe what you are going to do later that day. Or maybe you're thinking about what you've already done. A lot of times, our minds gravitate towards the worries, the fears, and concerns of our everyday life. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our minds and hearts always return to where our treasure is. So what is on your mind? Do you find yourself thinking about God and His vastness? Do you find yourself praising God for who He is in the middle of the day? Do you find yourself thinking about what you have read in the Bible and all the things you have learned? What are you focusing on? What is your soul gazing upon? This is what Tozer talked about, a faith so rich and strong that our minds simply wander to thoughts of God whenever they do wander. The more we practice focusing on God, looking to God, the more it will become second nature to us. Now let's look ahead to verse 6 of Hebrews 11. We saw how it is impossible to please God without faith and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We went over this a couple of weeks ago. But Tozer brings us verse up again in our homework in uh, question number one. And it said, in light of this verse and what Tozer says, what do you have if we possess faith? So according to Tozer, faith will get me anything, take me anywhere in the kingdom of God. But without faith, there can be no approach to God, no forgiveness, no deliverance, no salvation, no communion, no spiritual life at all. There is an important dimension to faith that we must not miss. Tozer tells us that faith is defined functionally, not philosophically. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, what did he mean by that? This is our question number three of our homework. It is a statement of faith is in operation, not what it is in essence. Faith is proven in action. So the best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. The remainder of this chapter in Hebrews is devoted to a summary of the lives and labors of great men and women of faith in the Old Testament. You notice that we are told each individual did something by faith. When there is faith, there is action. 
So we can safely conclude that if there isn't a demonstration of faith in our lives, we cannot say we have faith. Let's look at Joshua 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. When I think about somebody who has faith, I think about these verses. The priest had the responsibility of bearing the Ark of the Covenant and going before the people as they marched. It was the priest who had to step into the Jordan River. And remember, the Jordan River at this time was at flood stage. So they had to step into this river before God would open the waters. Have you ever seen a river at flood stage? That takes a lot of faith to step in. It could just swoop you off your feet. Not only did the priest have to step in before God would part the waters, they had the responsibility of bearing the Ark of the Covenant. Now remember, this symbolized God's presence with them. It took a lot of faith to step in to those flood waters. The priest would also have to stand in the middle of the riverbed until all the people had passed over. When the priest arrived at the other side, the waters would return to the original condition. It took faith and courage for these priests to do their job, but they trusted God and relied on the faithfulness of his word. This is faith in action. But there was also a great change to take about place. The next text in verse 12 of chapter 5 tells us that after their crossing, Israel ate some of the produce of the land. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. Ladies, this is both a fulfillment and a challenge. God had brought them to a land where they would find plenty. Yet, the manna that had given them daily evidence of God's care now ceased. For now, on the people of Israel would have to walk by faith in the unseen, where before they had had visible evidence of God's presence. You see, they had daily that manna given to them, so they knew they were going to have food. But now they had to rely on God providing that food for them through the produce of their land. Just as we today have to walk by faith in the unseen. We need to trust God and know that his presence is with us and that he will meet our needs according to his will just as he was going to have to meet their needs according to his will. So how do we obtain this faith? Let's look at question four in our homework. 
we were asked to look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and now not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So this shows us that it is a gift from God. Nothing that we have done to deserve it. It was totally a gift. We were also looked, asked to look at Romans 10 verse 17. And it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need ladies to meditate on God's word. To hear what he is saying to us. We need to gaze upon the Lord. We need to say as John did in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and never cease to behold him for the rest of our lives. God knows our intention to gaze upon him daily. But he also knows about all the distractions which come into our lives that will cause us to look away. It is a challenge, but one that is worth taking. The more we practice this, the more we weed out those self-hyphenated sins in our lives, the more it will become a habit, a good spiritual habit that will enhance our quality of life. Think about those raging waters that the priests had to step into. It was not easy, but well worth that challenge. What raging waters are you facing today? What is it that you need to trust God for? Faith is the least self-regarding of the virtues. Question number six of our homework says, In what ways is faith a virtue? that does not regard the self. Tozer says, like the eye which sees everything in front of it and never sees itself, faith is occupied with the object upon which it sees and pays no attention to itself at all. Faith is redirecting our sight. A getting out of focus of our own vision and getting God into focus. If we keep our focus on God and not on ourselves or our circumstances, we see what God wants us to see. And seeing through God's eyes, not our own, it really makes a difference. Ladies, I have a video that I want you to watch. It's a very powerful video about faith and how we need to totally depend upon God. Please listen to this. You know, I believe God's a God of pictures. And four years ago, I gave, we gave birth to a picture. I didn't know at the time, but God knew. About 20 weeks into the pregnancy, my wife contracted cytomegalovirus, a virus that causes mild to severe handicap. 
And in Abby's case, she had a stroke in utero, and so she was severely handicapped. Severely in that she's visually impaired. Her eyes see, but her brain just doesn't allow her to transmit it. She was born deaf. She, she couldn't hear. She couldn't hear much of anything. And in my embrace, when I'm playing with her and throwing her up in the air, she is completely happy. She's totally dependent upon me. And to me, Abby is a picture of childlike faith, of complete and 100% trust and dependence upon Jesus. We are a lot like Abby. We're, we're totally dependent upon the Father holding us close and whispering in our ears, I love you. Abby is a picture of childlike faith. She is so dependent on her father for everything in her life. Ladies, we need to have that kind of dependence on God. We need to gaze our eyes towards Him in total surrender. Faith is the gaze of the heart at God, raising our inward eyes to meet the all-seeing eyes of God. So what purifies and strengthens our gaze? Being in the Word and praying daily. We have mentioned many times about how studying the scripture and prayer deepens our faith and our relationship with God. But what about corporate worship? This leads to question number seven of our homework. How does the development of individual faith help the unity of the body and Christ? Well, our relationship with God is personal. Tozer indicates that the development of individual faith does something to the unity of the body of Christ. It strengthens it. He uses a wonderful illustration on page 90 of his book. And it says, How is it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned to not to each other but to one another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to describe their closer fellowship. Social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. The whole church of God gains when the members that compose it begin to seek a better and higher life. We need more believers who gaze their souls on God and not on externals. 
Just imagine a church with a hundred people, all of whom have souls gazing towards God, seeking a deeper relationship with Him. Imagine the impact they would have in their community. They would not have all the bickering and the backbiting because their eyes would be on Jesus and not on each other. Ladies, it begins with us. Let's set our inward eyes upon the Lord. Let's seek a deeper relationship with Him. If all of us individually seek God and seek a deeper relationship with Him, then collectively all of us would be closer, right? So if each one of us is seeking God and not looking at each other saying that person needs to seek it but have that individual part in ourselves then each one of us will be a benefit to the unity of the Bible. Last week in chapter 6 Tozer taught us about the awesome power of God's speaking voice and how we can develop an ear to hear him speak to us. This week he challenges us to continually gaze upon him with our inner eyes, to forever fix our eyes on the one in whom our faith originates and culminates. Tozer teaches us that with our heart we can see God in everything, anywhere, at any time. There is no set times, no schedules. That we can know God in such a personal way that we see his presence in our lives every moment of the day. I like how Tozer concluded. He said, When the habit is inwardly gazing Godward becomes fixed within us, we shall be ushered unto a new level of spiritual life, more in keeping with the promises of God and the mood of the New Testament. The triune God will be our dwelling place even while our feet walk the low road of simple duty here among men. We will have found life's summum bonum indeed. I looked up summum bonum. It's a Latin word meaning the supreme good from which all others are derived. Ladies, my heart's desire is that together we develop a habitual gaze upon God, that we find ourselves growing each day, making God the most important part of our lives, weeding out self and increasing the space for God in our lives. Let's pray with Tozer. Our Lord, I have heard a good word inviting me to look away to thee and be satisfied. My heart longs to respond, but sin has clouded my vision till I see thee but dimly. Be pleased to cleanse me in thine own precious blood and make me inwardly pure so that I may be unveiled eyes gaze upon thee all the days of my earthly pilgrimage. Then shall I be prepared to behold thee in full splendor 
in the day when thou shalt appear to be glorified in thy saints and admired in all them that believe. Amen. Ladies, I've enjoyed doing this study with you. And as we gaze upon the Lord, may you be richly blessed. And I hope to see you again next week. Bye-bye.